0: In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Above all else, Christmas is a time of adoration. Until tonight, I suppose the closest that we have come to adoration in Wheaton this Advent is when Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis showed up at the Starbucks in Donada after the Packers game last week. Really, it's true, they were there. I read it on Twitter. That's about the best we can do on our own. In our world, adoration is not much more than excitement. But in the church, especially at Christmas, adoration is a very different kind of thing. Adoration is our response to God's work in Christ to conquer sin and death forever. Tonight, when the angels sing, they are absolutely beside themselves with joy, because in the face of Jesus, they are allowed to see what they have been waiting for ever since the Garden of Eden was broken. In his face, they see the repair and the restoration of the world. When the shepherds come to the manger, they are stunned by how well they are loved, in their own land, in their own home. They are unclean and they are unwelcome. But when they come to the angels and to Mary and to Joseph and to Jesus Christ himself, they are welcomed as family and they are wrapped in the mercy of the Incarnation. In twelve days, when the wise men come with gold and frankincense and myrrh, They are undone when they see the face of Jesus because they've read the signs and they've known that the Savior comes only once and they are there to see it. So they fall face down and they adore him. And now all of you, here tonight despite the cold and the wind and the snow, You've come again this year because whatever your life may be like the other 364 days, something special happens in this place tonight, something worth your attention and your care. Tonight, there is something here to be adored. You and I are naturally warmed and cheered whenever we see a newborn baby. And it goes beyond the dimple or a wisp of curly hair. Down deep, we love them. Because babies remind us that we have been touched by innocence. By a new life that still seems free of the pain and suffering and betrayal and sin and disappointment. And stress that marks so much of our lives. All those things you bring with you here tonight. But the adoration of the Christ child is more than the appearance of celebrity or the excitement of someone new. It is our hope for life itself. It is the joy of having in our hands something that is holy, something healing, something that is saving and forgiving, something energizing, something life-giving, something we could have never gotten all by ourselves. In the church, adoration is a holy response to something that is wonderfully divine. And this child is wonderfully divine. Yes, it is true that he is born of Abraham, of David, and of Mary, that he is human, son of man. But it is also true that he is the eternal word incarnate, begotten from the Father from forever, and so true God. This is Jesus Christ, the mystery, who comes from from a place beyond us, from another kind of world, another kind of beauty, another kind of love, another kind of joy, and certainly from another kind of family. The best news is that he comes to bless us. And he is here to make you what you were always meant to be. He is here to make you a child of God. And that, you see, is the difference between the birth of Jesus Christ and any other child. In him is life, and his life is the light of men. And the darkness cannot overcome it. In him the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and full of truth. And we have beheld his glory, the glory of one from the Father. That is the reason that he is adored. He is not just celebrity and he is not just surprise. He is our salvation. He is, in fact, the meaning of your life. And tonight, he gives you a fresh start. When we leave tonight, we leave different than we were before. Let me tell you another Christmas story, another story from the dead of winter, a story that was very famous in the early church a story about adoration, making things different. It was 320 A.D. There were 40 Christian soldiers among the imperial forces in the Armenian town of Sebaste. Their commander was a pagan, and he made a simple request of them, a common request, that they worship the imperial gods, that they adore the idols of the empire. But they would not. They had been baptized, so they already had a God whom they adored. They had themselves a king and a savior, one who had baptized them, one who protected them in battle, one who heard their prayers, one who blessed them and received their thanks, one who heard their praise, one who loved them, one who had made them new and promised them life. So as a punishment in the midst of winter, they were stripped naked and put on the ice in the middle of a frozen lake. Their comrades built fires and warm baths on the shore, and the commander yelled to them, come near, be warm, and live. But no, they adored Jesus, And so in Jesus they died, the 40 martyrs of Sebaste. You get the point, I'm sure, that adoration is much more than excitement. Adoration is devotion. So tonight Jesus comes again, not just to stir us up, but to turn us and to change us to pull us near around his star and his angels and his manger with his parents and his new friends, the shepherds and the magi and the 40 martyrs of Sebaste, to forgive us and repair us, but then to push us out as different sort of people back into our 364 other days so that he can use us well as we embody his joy and peace and love and faith, of which the angels sing, for which the martyrs die, which the magi adore, which the shepherds praise, and which Mary ponders in her heart. We can do that. We can give on what we've received. We can live in adoration and devotion, and it starts right now. It starts at the one thing we adore most in this life, this Holy Eucharist. It is his new manger, where Mary and Joseph and the angels and the shepherds and the magi and the martyrs are all gathered, now, tonight, in this place. And you, like they, will have the joy of holding Jesus in your hands. In his holy name, amen.